This is Words That Move Me, the podcast where movers and shakers like you get the information and inspiration you need to navigate your creative career with clarity and confidence. I am your host, Master Mover, Dana Wilson. And if you're someone that loves to learn, laugh, and is looking to rewrite the starving artist story, then sit tight, but don't stop moving, because you're in the right place. Okay, here we go. All right, there it is. Ready? There and, it is. And, oh my. Hey. Wow. One of my tra- you knocked that over my grass. You ain't gonna pick that up, are you? No? No? Probably nope. not. Just gonna leave that right there. Oh no, he is. Oh, that's fine. Well, we appreciate you, trash man. That we is. appreciate you, trash man and postman. Yeah. All the frontline people out there getting it done. Ah, yep. Today, no matter where you are, I am bringing you to the front yard of my friend and mentor and legendary choreographer, Marty Kadelka. Yes, we are going deep into the valley where the sky is blue and the birds chirp and garbage trucks squeal like lot of squealing garbage trucks, terrifying sounds. Thank God for editing. (laughs) So Marty and I talk about specific people and performances during this episode. And I want to say right now at the front of it, that all of those people, places and performances are going to be linked in the show notes of this episode, episode 18 of my website. So If you're interested in any of those people, places, things, and shows, then head on over to thedanawilson.com slash podcast and search for episode 18. Oh, also, every podcast episode is available in video form on YouTube seven days after the podcast comes out here. So this episode's YouTube video will definitely include links to the memorable moments, well, at least the ones that were caught on tape. Um, So be sure to check that out as well. All right. Before we talk to Marty, I want to talk to you. How are you feeling? After last week's episode on processing emotions, I have been making it a habit to ask, how are you feeling instead of how are you doing? How are you feeling gives you an opportunity to actually process (laughs) and check in with your body and the feelings inside of it, instead of just reporting the usual, I'm good, how are you? I personally, right now, am feeling exhausted, like a particular brand of exhausted, throbbing knees, kind of an achy back that means I've been dancing (laughs) and probably not using my abdominals as much as I should be. (laughs) But, oh, speaking of dancing a lot, my win this week is actually a community win. Over the weekend, the Seaweed Sisters taught for the Movement Lifestyles 24-hour Move-a-thon fundraiser. And as of this moment, as of the recording of this episode, the studio has raised over $63,000. Holy smokes. Huge win. And if you're listening to this podcast at the time of its release, then they're still accepting donations. So if you can, 
head over to GoFundMe.com and search Movement Lifestyle. All right, now it is your turn to share a win. What's going well in your world? Hit me. Awesome. (laughs) I am glad that you're winning. Congratulations. Now, Marty and I cover a lot in this episode. Everything from working on the Trolls movies and doing things that he never thought he'd do in a million years to several strolls down different memory lanes. Wait, is that a thing? Or are they like (laughs) Memory Street, Memory Avenue, Memory Circle? (laughs) Anyways, we go there. So I hope you're ready, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Marty Kadelka. All right, Marty Dog Dog. Marty Dog Dog. Dog, dog. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, my friend. This is long overdue. Absolutely. Thanks, homie. Thanks for having me. I'm really stoked about this because, A, uh, you're my dear friend and also mentor, but B, you are probably the most mentioned person on the podcast, especially when I'm talking about career and like, uh, wow. yeah, professional life because you've played such a key role in my professional life. So there's sure. that. Um, but before we get too deep, I would love for you very quickly to introduce yourself and tell us where you are right now. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is Marty Kaduka checking in. Team Rose, you know we sizzle the most. You know how it be. I'm in the bird cage, my own little Disneyland, here in Valley Village, California, talking to one of my favorite humans on earth, Dana Dana Dog Wilson. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> um, so you you did not mention in your bio that you are. Uh, one of the greatest choreographers ever to have lived. And I think I found uh, that on the internet, so it must be true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you are also a creative director and a teacher. Oh, and I live on Auto Row. So we're getting some automobile sounds today. Some people are not honoring the social distancing today. I can tell because it's beautiful <laughs> outside and there are way more car and motorcycle sounds than usual. Um, For sure. But back to you, uh, how long have you been choreographing for? Um, before I knew what chore- like choreography was even, I didn't know what I was doing. I called it making up routines or putting routines together. I believe my first one was when I was 14 years old. I was in middle school and it was for a talent show. And me and one other girl named Brandy Davis, I still, I still keep in touch with her too. And um, we danced to Rob Bass, It Takes Two, and our talent show. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, I wasn't in middle school. I was a freshman in high school, which was even more scary because Literally, I'm the, fr- the young kid on the block, little white guy up on stage with hammer pants on, like doing the running man for 408 counts. So that was my first time I ever put together something. And then I started kind of just teaching my friends right after that. Um, 
kind of a trade-off like they would get keep me from getting beat up at school and I would teach them dance kind of thing and um, that was my first intro into choreography and teaching if you will because then I saw well I can like make some money or at least get ahead doing something that I like to do um, so that was my intro it's not your typical story but that's really that's that's to me that's when I started choreographing because even though I didn't know what an A count was or a bar of music was, I knew when the ch song changed, you should change your steps. You know, that was kind of common sense. So I was putting stuff down, yeah, since I was 14. And now I'm a lot older than that. <laughs> Truth, yeah, true, just yeah. a few years. Um, so there's a classic case of learn by doing where you like didn't go to school for this or you didn't come up through a competition convention, typical studio. Um, There's gonna be a trash truck. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we gotta, that we gotta, happens out here in the bird's nest. That's a trash truck. That is a yeah. trash truck. Um, <laughs> so sorry. I am lucky enough to have been part of your creative process a handful of times. And by handful, I mean a, like a boatload. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but for people who are listening who might not have met you or worked for you or even taken your class can you explain a little bit of your creative process from like the moment you hear the song to then seeing it danced on other bodies or on a stage yeah i mean we you know you know firsthand we'd be here till next thursday if i really answer that question In from a to z <laughs> so i'll try to make it like real somewhat quicker give us the bullets yeah um i mean first comes it, it that's a hard question because it's so broad because it depends if it's for one single number or if it's for a you know club show where it's 10 numbers or it's for a tour that has you know a giant stage and production value you know so it, it it depends but say just for say as an example a music video we'll base it off that so if i once i get this song the first thing i'm going to want to do is learn this song as well as i can and and then create like a basic plan of what i'm going to do um if it was for class i would just start figuring out what i'm gonna which part of the music i want to dance to and then kind of make a, a plan. If it was for a music video, before I did anything, I would probably ask for the treatment, if there's a treatment at that point, to figure out what the story is or if it's just a performance video or just dancing or whatever. So that way I know I'm not doing extra stuff. Um, work smarter, not harder. So those are two different versions. So going back, I'm gonna keep flipping it now, back to video or a class. Um, I would know what I'm going to dance to already. Then I'm going to stand up. I actually did this last night, which is crazy. I didn't think about that. Um, so I'm making something up. So I listened to the song and I already knew the song really well, but I haven't heard it in about, shoot, over 15 years easily. But I put it, my headphones in and started listening to it and like, okay, made a decision. This is the part I'm going to dance to. I already pretty much knew it got up started moving around until I have like a little at least couple eight few eight counts then I'll take a break then I'll listen to it again and listen to what I don't have then stand up try to fill in the gaps and they come slowly but surely like where I stand now this morning with the routine I have like the first two eight counts then there's like two two and a half counts missing and then another eight count 
three eight counts missing, another four. Um, once I do that, once I have enough, then I like to call in the troops, which is, you know, the you, the Ivan, the, Dan- the Nats, like call you guys in and start teaching it to you. I still haven't seen it by this point, by the way. But once I call you guys in, then I'm, A, I'm getting to learn how to teach it. And B, I'm seeing it on another human and deciding whether I like it or not, or what to change or what to add, or you guys may give me an idea on how you finish and go into something. So it's a big puzzle, basically, you know, you never just do the puzzle like right. this, you, you know, sorry, I know it's a podcast from up to down. <laughs> Or, you know what I mean? You have to, you fill out the frame and then you start making like parts over here and parts that you know are easier to do. And that's the same thing with putting together a routine, regardless whether it's for a video or class. Solid. That's a great answer. You set up the segue so beautifully. Thank you for that. Um, Marty basically wrote the book titled Work Smarter, Not harder. And I want to go through that book now and name the chapters if we could. And you already, you, you, (laughs) you set up a few of those, but I have to tell people on the outside right now that I sent Marty a little warm up text before we got on the phone today. I was like, Hey, these are some of the things I want to talk about. This is kind of the, the outline, you know, we'll, we'll keep it loose and we can flow, but I definitely want to do blah, blah, blah. I want to hear about blee, be ready to answer blah and da, da, da. And you wrote me back. I'm going to pull up the text. <laughs> also at the end of it. <laughs> and now that you just asked me the question, I'm wishing uh, I would have looked at that. it more. Um, at the at the last thing I asked you is anything else you want to cover or specifically not talk about? And your response was anything you want. And I barely read this, BT dub, finger pointing up. I just like <laughs> I just like to freestyle these days. So that's that's pretty much where we're at. We're freestyling. Well, okay, so based on what you just said, A, you make sure you have all the information. And you are really good. You actually taught me this uh, about how to identify the people that have the information. Yeah. Just by watching. Very good at sitting back and watching like, oh, that's my guy for this. Oh, that's the dude for this. Oh, here's the one you want to have in the room for this. So you're, you're great at identifying the sources of information. And then you're a great listener. Actually, I, I kind of wanted to play a game later, but we'll, we'll see if we get there. If you had to put a price on your most valuable asset, you, Marty Kadelka. A, what would the price be? And B, what is that asset? I could, even, I could even call it a part of your body. What is the most valuable part of your body? Uh, my ears. Boom. I was yeah, gonna say sure. one, two, three and have us say it at the same time. Oh yeah, that's easy. Yeah, there's no amount of money though. No, my ears are like none other. It's true. Justin's ears are really good too. I can't lie. That dude, you know, he is a freak. That guy hears stuff. And it, I mean, he has to be good because of who he is at paying attention to his surroundings because, you know, with crazy fans or just whatever, he's got to stay aware. So that, that, that's helped him do that. But I, for some reason, I always was the same way. I mean, I just want to, know what's going on around me maybe because I got in trouble when I was younger you know and so I was always on the lookout but it it helps in what we do specifically like that is a big thing of working smarter not harder like if you pay attention like what the main I think it should be called work smarter not harder dot 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 it's just common Uh. sense 
because it is if you use common sense like it's not that hard what we do it's really it's really not and it's not if you just pay attention it's not hard to to figure out who is the person that need that you go to for this or this or like you just said like it's not that hard if you just pay attention but a lot of times as dancers and even you know choreographers and directors we get so into what we're doing Mm -hmm. that we don't sit down for a second and pay attention a lot of people these days want they feel like the more that I do it the better I'm going to get it like even in class 99% of the time it's probably better to you take off a couple times and watch somebody or watch the teacher or somebody you know that's killing it or just listen to the music and see what's going on versus just doing it every time right that's the same principle as just seeing the layout of whatever you're doing I love that it's an excellent lesson and we are all receiving a master class in it right now (laughs) all right so if chapter one of Marty's book, Work Smarter, Not Harder, is look and listen, then chapter two would definitely be freestyle. When I met Marty, I was a competition kid taking his class. I was good at remembering moves and adapting to different styles. I was even particularly good at adapting to his style, but what I was not was a great freestyler. And being around him and his crew really taught me the importance and the freedom of freestyle and how using it in the creative process can be super helpful. So that and a few key players are the focus of this next section. Uh, I think freestyle helped me. I mean, it helped mold my style that's still how I started like last night when I started my routine I didn't say oh, I'm gonna do a um what is the first move that I do I do like these jazz hands to my stomach right and my foot goes out and in uh, uh, does it look like this tattoo a little bit yeah 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 you're so good I wonder if you could talk it to me and I could do it of course I could I just talked about this on my IG live the other day how I taught you and Ivan at one point sitting down like four I think it was four eight counts yep and y'all got up and did it perfect we should do that again yeah let's definitely do that again I'm making a note but when I when I started this move I didn't get up off my couch and say oh I'm gonna put some jazz hands to my stomach like I just the I knew where that were the first count is seven eight and a and all I knew is I'm starting on the and a after the eight and then I just did that and it was like oh that feels cool and I know it looks cool because I've done it before so okay that's my starting point and then from there I just let my body go but if I wouldn't have had that training growing up in the freestyle aspect like in the freestyle world then I don't know what I would be doing like I don't know if people who aren't have never been in that freestyle world I don't know how they if they go into a studio and just move through a bunch of moves. I have no idea what their creative process is because I'm not them and I've never been in rooms with people like that. I've always been around people who are similar and come from similar backgrounds, which is who I gravitate towards dancers. You know what I mean? People who can boogie and also do choreography. Um, (laughs) Sneak attack. This is me opening the door and coming out of my little closet and introducing myself to you for the first time as a person who 
when we met, nothing terrified me more than freestyling and learning choreography. This might've been why we got along well, right? As somebody who leads with freestyle might really do well by enhancing their team, by adding a person who remembers all the moves <laughs> that get spit out and can keep them or teach them or whatever. But um, it took you and some hard slap in the faces, slap, slap in the faces? <laughs> no, I have one face. Slap, slap in, in the, the face. faces. Uh, slaps in the face of learning that that weakness needed to get stronger for me. One of them actually happened at your house. Um, it was right after, maybe not right, maybe not the same day, but shortly after the big audition for the Future Sex Love tour. Yeah. And there were like 500 people. Was it an open call or was it just a selective call, but mad people? No, it was, it was, there was like 250 people, but it was, I selected all of them. And then a few people, like five people crashed. Okay. So massive audition and we filmed the end and either the next day or the day, I don't remember, we were watching the footage at your house and we had an unexpected intruder. I don't even think he rang the bell. He probably like pulled vaulted up. <laughs> yeah, he just walked in. Shout out B-Boy KML. Um, but I remember he looked at your TV and he was like, what is this garbage? And I was like, um, excuse me, these are the best dancers in Los Angeles. And he was like, those people are garbage. And he walked up to the TV and he pointed at Nick Bass and he was like, he was like, my shoe has more talent than that guy. And then he pointed at Misha and he was like, please, he's okay, but mostly he's garbage. And then he pointed at the next guy and oh, he was just- I remember. And I was like, I'm sorry, wait a second. These people are like ridiculously talented. How could you even say that you're delusional? And he, that was a bad idea, <laughs> little Dana. It was a really, really bad idea. I, th I remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember looking at you. Like, here she goes. Like, Look out, man. She just, she just had no idea what she just did. <laughs> so what I did was redirect his uh, B-boy battle mentality from other people to me. And he, he basically yeah. went, okay, and who are you? And I was like, I'm Dana. <laughs> and he was like, uh, exactly. Who are you? And I was like, I'm a dancer. And he was like, no, you're not. And I was like, uh, yeah, I am. And he was like, then why, why have I never seen you out? I've never seen you at the club. And I was like, that's because I'm 18. Or I was 19 at the time, maybe. I was like, I'm not allowed to go to clubs. And then he laughed so hard. He probably started crying. And he was laugh. like, you are not a dancer. You are a robot. You are a machine that has been trained to remember other people's moves. You think you love dance? You don't love dance. If you did, it would come from you and it would come without somebody else's telling you to do it. And I didn't cry at the time. <laughs> I think I got home and really processed what he had just said, but I did cry hard about that and the thought that there might be some truth to it. And um, that definitely motivated me to explore freestyle and dancing strictly for myself, not for accolades or a job or an award or recognition in some other form, but just because it feels freaking good. Um, and especially being so focused on winning at the industry, which is what my primary goal was at the time, sure. I really hadn't been thinking about that a lot. So that conversation 
woke me up. And also most of your classes at the time, especially this is back in 2005, ended with a freestyle circle. Like that's, it was a part of class. Like that was, that's what, what we did. Um, I don't remember where this conversation started, but oh, the importance of freestyle (laughs) and me telling you that until we met, it really wasn't a part of my daily life. That day meeting K-Mel, you knew K-Mel before Oh, I knew, I absolutely knew of him and I'd watched him get down. I remember a specific YouTube video where he battles three different people at one time and roasts them all. Uh, I'll try to find that, I'll try to share that. It's unbelievable. Um, but that, that's another thing when I talk about you, in addition to you just being um, my mentor and the person that I worked for most directly in my life, but you're also the person that introduced me to the most influential figures of my life. One of them is Tony Basil. Um, K-Mel is, is included <laughs> on that list. Poppin' Pete is on that list. Really, I yeah. got so fortunate in my timing and placement in meeting you that I learned you know, the studio that I came from, we offered hip hop once a week and it was for an hour. And after you change out of your leotard and tights, that's really like 45 minutes. Um, But I got to LA, fell in love with your style and fell in love with street styles. And then you introduced me to Tony Basil, who taught me everything I know about locking. You introduced me to Pete, who taught me everything I know about popping. And you introduced me and gave me an appetite for freestyling, which is really compounded yeah. and made me the the dancer that I am today. Absolutely. It's a huge part in what you do. Yeah. Give me roasting fools now. <laughs> um, yeah. I have good teachers. What can I say? I hope you are digging getting to know this guy. <laughs> Marty is clearly a very laid back dude who loves a good story. He is Captain Cool in conversation and, of course, in his moves. And we talked for a while about his public persona, about him being very friendly, but not necessarily very accessible. After all, he is extremely busy working at the top of his field, and to add to that list, he's also a family man, and to add to that list, he's also a super sports enthusiast. We'll get into that later. Marty was never really one to engage much in the social media sphere. Until now. (laughs) He's been doing daily, or at least almost daily, IG lives, and I do want you to hear about that. Let's get back into it. To be honest, the first one I ever did was was with Lucy, my daughter, at a Clipper game like years ago. So I had done one before, but I'd never done one by myself and, and strictly to talk about dance. So it started, of course, when this quarantine started. And I think I started on day one. And I missed a couple of days, but I'm trying to do it every day as of now. Cool. I never thought I would be doing this in a billion years. And I'm really, really enjoying it. You know, we don't just talk about dance on there. Like I had uh, K-Mel on there the other day. And we were just talking about real life stuff and stuff that we had done back in the day. And, and people were loving it. Yeah. Like it's, A peek it's, into you your know. world, right? It's yeah. like, this is your house. This is the yeah. you. This is unfiltered. This is uncensored. And it's. Yeah, it, it is. It's cool. It's, it's wild, though. I'm, I've been being brave and being. I haven't seen a lot of other people doing this and because whenever I'm on their Instagram, but I, I accept whoever, like if somebody requests me and I don't know them, I, I'll still pick up their request 
and I've had some <laughs> a couple of funny experiences. I can only imagine. It's been fun. I mean, it, it's better than sitting, I guess, watching TV all day. You yep. know what I mean? Like, yep. So, and I, another cool thing is I've connected with people that I haven't talked to in like 15, 20 plus years. I love this. Yes. So it's amazing. The internet is being used for what it was intended to be used for. Yeah. Connecting people and solving problems and getting information. Yeah. I'm all about it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that came up when I popped on your um, IG live the other day, which reminds me, Every uh, Thursday after the podcast comes out, I do an IG live at five. So the podcast come out, podcasts come out on Wednesday, and then I do a live on Thursday. What you doing on Thursday at uh, at five? Uh, going on with you, I guess. <laughs> okay. So when I jumped on yours last time, we started talking about Team Warm. Now, for those of you that missed the live, Team Wom is a well-oiled machine. It consists of Marty, myself, and a few uh, other key players. Marty, can you talk about like what makes the dream team? Well, my dream team as of now, and it's been this way for a little bit, is me, Dana, AJ, Ivan, and Natalie. Um, that's who I have an intensive called Schooled that is an invite only type of intensive that Dana's a part of, of course. And it's us five is the core people. And even, you know, when working on a tour or, you know, whatever the job may be, it's, it's not always us five. I alternate as well, depending on what the gig is and what I feel is right for it. Um, we just had a job for Justin where me and Ivan and AJ were part of the production team and Dana was a dancer on it. <laughs> although you, although you wouldn't really know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a cutting, well, cutting room floor circumstance. Yeah. It happens. And, and after all that hair. Oh my gosh. So much fake hair. We'll, oh. also, we'll also be linking to that video. Um, but you, but you, you have a great story about it. Oh, least. such a good story. But yeah, but te but that, that's my dream team. And they, everyone brings some, something different to the pot and we are a very well-rounded team. And if you look from me, the oldest going down to the youngest, which is it you? No, I think it might be Ivo actually. Oh, it is Ivo. I think. Nat, yeah, Nat is older than me. So then Ivo, mm -hmm. you know, we cover a bunch of different generations, and I feel like that's something that you have to have to to stay connected and stay relevant in this business. Mm. Good point. If anybody out there is seven years old, we're uh, looking to fill a slot in Team Wom. <laughs> Marty and I have questions about we, TikTok. <laughs> we do. Actually, we see what's cool is there is like a, on, just like with Team Roast, because Team Roast really is just me, Eddie, K-Mel, and Little C. That's the original Team Roast. But we have an extended family, which all you guys are in, of course. I mean, you know, Legacy, Flea, we have like a big, you know, a big, healthy Team Rose family. Same thing with Team Wom. I do have a couple of like seven and eight-year-olds, I'm sure you do too, at your conventions who, who could definitely help us out a bunch. Oh my gosh, Marty. Absolutely. These young ones are like so capable Ridiculous. on the dance front. And then also like 
punctual, respectful. They got a personality. They know how to respond to emails on time. I'm looking at my generation like, come on, y'all, step up. Let's go. Let's yeah. communicate. And I, I, yeah, there are a couple of young people in my life that are very impressive on that front. <laughs> on one of my lives the other day, this shout out to Maddie Googs, if you're listening. He, uh, he's a little assistant for us on Monsters. And he hit me up on my live with the question, like speaking professionally, just perfectly written. I, I've really enjoyed learning from you and, and getting the chance to assist you in prior cities. But my question to you is, how can I get better assisting Incredible. this and that? I really want to be able to, you know, cater to the, t- like, what? Oh, so well-groomed. So well-groomed. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Take note, y'all. Okay. Marty's team is made up of people who are professional and still very personable. They can be casual because they're so capable. And those are the people that I want to have on my team. In this business, your team is your tribe. And your team is super important. But that being said, you are the most important person on your team. So, next We're going to get into Marty's personal codes of conduct and peek into his process for choreographing the Trolls films. Um, One of my favorite sayings slash lessons that I ever learned from you is um, early is on time, on time is late, and late is you're fired. We're gonna use the F, yeah. we're gonna use the F word fine. Yeah, yeah. You could you could use a couple of different F words there. Um, but yes. <laughs> what other codes do you live by and do you run your professional world by? Oh, that's a good one. Um, this I don't know if this quite answers it, but this maybe in a roundabout way. I I've and I just said this actually, I got a chance to teach for Rich and Tone at their intensive, the Rich and Tone experience. Mm -hmm. And I caught myself saying this there, and I'm going to kind of repeat it now. Like I, I lately, and I haven't always approached work like this. So even works, this is kind of, some people could say, well, that's contradicting work smarter, not harder. But it's not to me, it's making me work harder. I've been, I like to put pressure on myself. So that's a that's a code that I've I'm living by these days. Whether it be with work, even at at you know, I don't know at home life. Sometimes I like to almost procrastinate sometimes on purpose to build up to have a lot to do. So then whenever it's time to do it, I can just get it all done. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to work, like my example on on the trolls movies, like when the scene comes to us. Me and AJ watch a scene, just to break it down real quick. We see a scene. They tell us what happens in the story before, what happens in the story after. And then obviously we're, we're knowing what's going on in the scene. And then it's up to me to choose where I want dance and build the scene through dance. So I can do whatever I want, pretty much, right? So, which is awesome, crazy to think. That creative freedom is such a gift. That's incredible. It's su- such a gift. So, you know, obviously I've seen the scene a couple times when we, we have an initial meeting, but then up until the day that we rehearse, I, I don't watch it. I want to go in the day of, I want to watch it again, like an hour before, 
And then I give, so by this time I have like 45 minutes to prepare something. I'm not going to prepare the whole thing, but to give myself a start. And, it, and basically I'm putting myself in a corner because I know there's only so many hours of rehearsal before the powers to be are going to come in and watch and give us notes and then eventually film it for the movie. So it's a lot of pressure, but to me, you know, pressure makes diamonds and you know what I mean? And like, if you have, if you have no other choice, then you have no other choice. You have to get it done. And, and up to this point, I've never had, knock on wood, I've never had not got it done. You know what I mean? Maybe I could have done it better. Sure. But we're not, we're never going to know that. And maybe I wouldn't have, maybe what I created because of that pressure is what it's supposed to be. Huh. You know, I've already, I've, I, I have already prepared by listening to the song, by knowing what's going on, you know, and I have seen it. So it's not blind. I'm not an idiot, but you know, it's, it's, I don't, I feel like if I have from that time, we have that meeting, if it's a week before we're going to do that rehearsal, if I just only think about that scene, it's mm -hmm. going to mess me up and the, the product will not be as good as if I did it the other way. That's so interesting. I wonder if part of your, um, cause you love sports. We haven't talked about that much at all. And no. I probably won't talk about it much cause yeah, I I am, I'm okay. not a sports person. <laughs> it's like, I just run out of information pretty quickly. <laughs> so I'm like, oh yeah, teams, huh? Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> no worries. But I wonder if part of your thrill is like the clock's running out. Absolutely. You love the thrill of, of, see, I already ran out of sports words, but I wonder if that plays into this a little bit, like. A hundred thousand percent. It's the same thing whenever, whenever I came out here and was auditioning as a dancer, I used to go to auditions like it's a game, like. It, it, to me it was I'm like yo I'm ready to roast these fools like this is my they're my opponents like I'm trying to get the job and you know we can be cool before and after but I'm gonna try to destroy these dudes like and I'm not gonna cheer for them like you know and like do all that crap like that's good in class and that's good you know whatever but at an audition you know I, I get it keep the morale up or whatever but I'm not clapping for you. Like I'm trying to get your job. Right. Imagine that if you had like uh, opposing sports teams, like cheering each clapping other Clapping for each other. Yeah. Get out of here. This is incredible. I've never considered that metaphor or that perspective for an audition. Well, when you were, when you, you were a competitive dancer, like at your front, your studio. Yeah. So when you went out there to compete, did you think that way? Or were you just like, Oh, I'm just, I just, want to do my best or I just want to, or were you like, Oh, I hope we get first place. I definitely wanted to win. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So yeah. It's competitive. Yeah. 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 I love this. The idea that you can audition as a, as a person on a team. You're like, my team is going to win. Yeah, and I don't, I I don't need team. to be your friend. Yeah. You're, you're your team. Yeah. Um, that's very cool. Thank you for sharing that. I yeah, love that. Absolutely. I miss that, man. I shoot the audition process. <laughs> Let's go sometime as soon as auditions <laughs> happen again. <laughs> I would love You know what the last audition I went to was a Michael Rooney audition. Oh, I think I remember this. And I booked the job, believe it or not. And, <laughs> of course you did. And, but what was I it for? It was for a, a TV show. It was a pilot. 
for some TV show. I forget the name of it. I don't know if it ever came out, but it was like, you know, this big grand 40 person dance piece, whatever that I was in and like oh, doing turns and stuff. It was pretty awesome. Oh, I love it so much. And um, I was so nervous every time on set because I'm surrounded by all these like technical divas. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just trying to do a clean double. Incredible. So talk about that for a second. How did, because your style really does fuse some jazz elements. Sure. Almost every Marty, Marty Kadelka combo I can think of has a swift inside pirouette in it. Yeah, <laughs> I love a good inside pirouette. Love a good inside pirouette. You're you're also uh, known for a ronde jam every now and then. For sure. Um, big fan of a. I, I, I'm gonna save your favorite step for a second. But how did you wind up interfacing with technical dancers growing up? Um, when I started really teaching a lot at studios, I I taught a lot. Like I have in my busiest time, I was doing like 25 classes a week for like four years, four or five years in a row, right before I moved to LA. And, and that was like nine months out of the year. And, um, but I, so I lived at the studio uh, and I literally like, I, I mean, I had an apartment, but my apartment was walking distance to the studio. So I literally spent all my time except sleeping at the studio. So when I wasn't, weren't, teaching I would sometimes go in other people's classes because I knew it was common sense to me like I already knew that this is what I wanted to do and I knew that I would have to learn something at some point mm -hmm. and then we started at the same time we were doing gigs in Dallas and a lot of people who were choreographing those gigs were trained so every time that I did a job I would be just a dancer before I started choreographing some of them I was just a dancer in them and I would have to learn, like I learned how to do an axle because of a job I had to do. And you have um, a mean axle, by the way. I want the listeners to know that. <laughs> I have seen it. It is strong. I've, I've seen it. It's a good lasso. I know I can, that's my go-to lasso arm, yep. axle to the right, um, <laughs> which came into handy actually at a Janet audition that I auditioned for. She, on the call day of the callbacks, Tina Landon put a freaking axle in there, and I couldn't believe it. And by the way, I'm doing a live with her at some point next week. Yes, please. And I'm gonna bring this up to her and thank her because I don't think I ever have. So because you were literally, prepared for that moment. I was prepared, and and I remember being in the studio, not not the studio that we basically we got kicked out of the studio and her and her squad like Kelly and Nikki and uh all her squad at the time I, I think Gil no 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 Gil was auditioning uh wow she yeah Brian Friedman was auditioning like it was that time oh like wow. Brian Friedman was Golden young, young yeah this is oh, in 97 God. and I remember peeking in the blinds to see if I can peek on what they're doing in there and I as I peek I see them perfect timing as I look they do an axle and I'm like oh! and I'm looking around at like there was probably like 50 of us left and I knew there was going to be one more cut and I'm looking around at all the other hip-hop dudes you know because I'm putting myself in that category and I'm like uh -huh. I know damn well none of these dudes know how to do this like there's no way so I'm like yes and sure enough a lot of them got cut 
and then yep. there was only like 20 of us and that and saved so that's me. that's how you got your b-boy name <laughs> b-boy <laughs> axel b-boy axel <laughs> that's terrible it's <laughs> pretty funny though that's a good story i forgot about that okay it was really, really cool for me to hear Marty's stories about auditioning and his audition mentality. I think that with someone like Marty, who's been at the top of their field for so long, sometimes it's easy to forget that he hasn't always been there. He had to climb, just like I did, just like you do. And I know Marty pretty well, but this was the first time that I got to hear about his audition mentality. It was also cool to hear that even he gets nervous on set, although he certainly doesn't show it. Next, Marty and I get to reminiscing a standout gig and a career highlight for me, a performance that you might not have even seen if you are new to the scene. Enjoy. Um... I want to hear about one of your favorite creative processes. Like, talk through one of your favorite. It could be a tour or it could be one specific, like, show or music oh. video. Um, let's see. Dang. All right, you know what? One that stands out, you were a part of it, of course, was the 2013 Video Vanguard Awards performance for Justin. Um, so A, it was a big deal because it was a lot of time. Normally you only get to do, you know, like three minutes max, um, no matter who you are. So we knew that this was going to be, they didn't give us a time at first, but they knew, we knew it was going to be anywhere from like 12 to 20 minutes, somewhere around there. So actually, I, actually, I think the reason that's, that number stood out to me, I, I believe the reason why is because I think they actually did say that they'll give us 12 in the beginning. And I think our first music edit was like 21 minutes. <laughs> so we were like, well, let the negotiating we're gonna have begin. To like, yeah, and let it begin. And then it ended up being like 16 and some change, I believe. And so that was a good happy medium. And we, I feel like we won that battle. And it was like seven seconds longer than Michael Jackson's performance, his video Vanguard Award. So we felt like we won that battle. But that, that's part of the creative process is having to have these talks. Like, which by the way, for we talked pre-production for like two and a half months before. And on all these calls where it's all the MTV people, director, uh, Hamish, the um, you know, all the lighting people, the, all the production team, the management, the record label people, and then me. Um, it was always just me. And like you and AJ, y'all didn't, y'all weren't part of these calls yet. Like, um, right. like now I have AJ do more of the email stuff because I just can't stand it anymore. And um, I hate it. it. I really hate it. But anyways, um, but all these talks go in and Justin's not even on the phone. So I'm basically having to like relay all this important information to him. And then we talk about it. And then I go back to them and then talk about it and negotiate more about the, like everything. So that's a big part of the process. But then also he had the idea of, yo, why don't we bring in sync? 
back together for a little thing. And I'm, I thought it was a joke. And I was like, no way, you're not going to do that. And he's like, why not? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm asking you why not. Like, why don't you? And then he's like, well, I think I will. And then he did. And then we did, which created another thing. And, and by the way, this is all happening while we're doing a tour with Jay-Z called Legends of the Summer. That tour was uh, like a two-month tour, and that was going on while we were planning this. So we were having a deal with a, another ongoing job because mm-hmm. things change when the tour is going, but while doing this. So most of it was like I remember being in hotels, having to be on these conference calls, and then yada, yada, yada. But then another big part is now that we know NSYNC's going to be there, you know, then it goes in how much time did they get? Uh, what songs do they do what choreography do they do do they do choreography these kind of things so then we start putting it together at the same time we're me and justin are getting on the phone with adam blackstone the musical director to figure out how to cut down these mu- this music so then okay we got to take this out and it's not just taking out a song because then if it's taken out a song did that piece have choreography transition yeah trans it's got to make sense musically but also choreographically and direction wise and then okay now we know that we're going to go all over the arena was our idea so then and I forgot how that idea first came about but Justin just likes to always move he doesn't like to be stagnant so we I think it was maybe we we saw the game plan and they said which stage that do you want to use type of thing and we said uh all of them and maybe can you build us a couple extra ones and so then we have to figure out, it's just a big math problem, figure out, okay, what goes where? Does it make sense? Can he survive doing this? Because if you really watch, like, that dude was all over that arena. All over. Um, so then once you kind of have that in place, then you have to go back. And there was a, the biggest discussion was we didn't want to start inside the arena. We wanted to show him with us walking into the venue. But you're in Brooklyn, New York, and that creates a bunch of permits and this and legal things and what you can and can't do, where you can shoot, why you can't do that, all these things. I'm sure you had to deal with this with in the Heights, a billion, you know. So you, these are the talks that take the most time to figure out what's possible. Eventually, we figured, you know, then we, there was a talk about getting off the subway that's connected to that. Then, but then you have to go outside. So no, so we can shoot in the subway, but we and then we can jump the inside, but we can't shoot the segue in between. That doesn't make sense. So then we end up having to shoot it inside to make it look like we kind of just came from outside. So there's all these talks. Finally, we get all that in place, and then there's well, where are we going to rehearse? Because we have to keep this a secret because of the in sync thing. So nobody knew, none of the MTV people, not, not, the, not Hamish, the director, nobody knew, not even you guys as dancers knew at first, I don't think, or maybe you knew. I did know because, insert my career highlight of a moment, you asked me to rehearse them. Um, I am 33 now, which means at the height of sync, I was also at the height of InSync. I was yeah. like a huge fan. Yeah. I had everything they ever did recorded on a VHS and I would watch it. I would study it. I knew all the moves. And I remember one day after rehearsing with them, 
um, Joey asked if he could film me doing it and he would rehearse watching me. And then Lance was like, oh yeah, me too. And then JC, of course, yo, JC works so hard. He was, he was yeah. like the ultimate most focused. And so uh, I had the most surreal moment of my damn life when all of the sync members were filming me doing their moves so that they could learn from watching me on video. I was like, you have no idea how back ass words this is <laughs> because for my entire adolescence, it was the other way around. It was such a wild yeah. moment. I remember that day. I remember them all doing that and getting that yeah. out. And we were in, okay, so back to your point about keeping this super under wraps. Were we in yes. a high school gymnasium or some rec center of some sort? <laughs> no, we were in the back of a theater. Why were um, we in Florida? It's at, it's, <laughs> We were in we were in Miami because the Legends of the Summer tour, the last date was in Miami on a Saturday night. Okay. And then he actually had a concert in that theater that we performed in. We performed in the rehearsal space behind the theater, mm -hmm. but he had a, uh, you know how he, he likes to do show after the show? Yeah. He had a show after the show that Saturday night, and then we had a day off on that Sunday in Miami and then we started rehearsals there that's why we had it in Miami because we were already going to be there Justin and I and we could have a day off in Miami and then fly all you guys there and we start on that Monday in Miami and because we rehearsed in LA people would find out about the NSYNC thing like what studio could we go to that would that could be kept secret somebody's gonna talk right you know what I mean so we in New York, same thing. Like, especially everyone's gonna be rehearsing there because that's where the VMAs are. So right. Miami kind of made sense and I loved it. Didn't you have fun there? I did have fun there. We went I out. Loved a it. Times. I, yeah, I think that we should always rehearse in Miami. Absolutely. <laughs> and but another cool cool thing about this, just a little a little nugget is that um it was kept such a secret that all five dudes in sync, they all stayed at different hotels, had different transportation, of course, and they all came at like scheduled different times to rehearsal. So they weren't all showing up at the same time. Right. Like it was like a whole secret, like service type of thing, which was really cool to be a part of. And I think we kept it from the other dancers. Yes. Yes. Like you knew and maybe like Where is that footage? I know you've been releasing some, some I have uh, that footage. I put part of it up of the first section y'all are in. Oh man, there's some nice, nice moments yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it but but that was a cool thing just having like I remember the day that they came in in sync where and all the dancers finally got to know and we, we ran it for them or whatever and they got to see what we were doing and that was such a cool day, man. That's history. David Moore was so hyped. <laughs> he was so excited. And I let David dance in yes. front of NSYNC. That's right. Yeah, he was there. He was there. So he was their leader. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will definitely link to that performance because it is a forgotten gem. That is such Ooh. oh, that's history. Good call. Um thanks, man. Also in there, I think you just revealed the closing chapter of Work Smarter, Not Harder, and that is Remember Everything. You yeah. have a, a steel trap of a memory that makes, you know, 
all of the listening in the world doesn't mean anything if you can't remember it. <laughs> so whatever yeah. your method is, method is, if it's having great assistance or keeping good notes or just being Marty, which means your memory is foolproof, um, then that like that is such a huge, huge important part of of being able to work smart. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's. I don't think I have some like special memory. I think I have like a selective memory. I think that's what you uh, have to do is yeah. like, if you, if it's something that you think you might need to know and remember, then try to figure out a way to remember that. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know how bad I am with birthdays. Like I'm the worst at, at birthdays and I'm really bad with people's names. Um, once I know it, then the people's names, then I, I don't forget, but I'm really bad. If I just meet you once or twice, it's really hard for me. And I think part of that is almost like, I want you to make me remember who you are. You know what I mean? Like I'll make me want to know you type of thing where a birthday, I'm kind of like, I don't need to know that because some, somebody's going to remind me, you know, someone's <laughs> going to be talking about it. Or I'm going to see nowadays, especially, I'm going to see an Instagram post and I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to hit up that person before I forget. You know? I love this. Like, so cross out everything. Definitely don't remember everything. Remember important things. Important. Absolutely. That's that. Um, Easy. And on, and on that note, I think, I think we wrap it up. Is there anything that we... I think we could easily go round two for the record. And I'm excited about going a little deeper into some of these topics on our IG live on Thursday at five. Um, but I'm just so grateful at you being in my life and at you sharing all of this. Uh, the insight is priceless. It really truly is. So thank you for doing That's this. What's up, Doug? Thanks for having me. This was fun. Let's do it again Thursday. <laughs> oh, it's been a while since we took the dog out. <clears throat> Where's this dog going? To the pound. Where's this dog going? <laughs> to the bank. <laughs> Where's this dog going? Uh, logging out of our Zoom conference right now. Holla <laughs> at yourself. Holla. Bye, Marty. Thank you so much. Later. All right. I hope you smiled. I hope you laughed. And I hope you enjoyed reading the ways that Marty works smarter, not harder. I've been learning from Marty for years, and I got a lot out of this episode. It had so many great reminders to look, listen, freestyle, and remember the important stuff. Oh, and laugh a lot. <laughs> If you don't already have a full page of notes on this episode, I want you to grab some paper and brainstorm the ways that you can work smarter, not harder. And at the bottom of that page, leave yourself some space and ask yourself for three ways that you can make sure to laugh more today than you did yesterday. And with that, my friends, I will bid you adieu. Adieu? Adieu. I'll bid you adieu. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Stay safe, stay soapy, and keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon. Thought you were done? No, 
Now I'm here to remind you that all of the important people, places, and things mentioned in this episode can be found on my website, thedanawilson.com slash podcast. Finally, and most importantly, now you have a way to become a Words That Move Me member. So kickball changeover to patreon.com slash podcast to learn more and join. All right, everybody. Now I'm really done. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon.